What's up, guys? Welcome to Roaring Podcast, where we interview experts in tech and product management, providing insights and tips on how to digitize and automate your business processes. My name is Jesper Kask, and I'm your host. What's the biggest difference between digital experiences in B2B and B2C? In this episode, we're joined by Marcus Jansson, Chief Product Officer at Payer, a fast-growing B2B payment solutions provider. We go into why B2B are 10 years behind B2C, what drivers are changing the market, and how to adapt to shifting customer expectations. Enjoy. Okay, so without further ado, uh, welcome, Marcus. It's great to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So we're going to dive into B2B versus B2C today. Um, but before we do that, I'm going to ask a question that we try to ask everyone who's on the show. Uh, what do you love the most about digitization? Uh, hard question to answer, but I would say that um, seeing the results of digitalization and when it solves real problems is something that at least I like um, when it's used in the, in the right way. Cool. Uh, and what's the story behind Payer? You're currently working there as a chief product officer. Um, what's the story behind the company? Uh, yeah, so Payer is a Swedish fintech company that have been working with payments and payment experience for more than a decade. And we were born in the born into the Swedish fintech scene where we work with both consumer payments and business payments. Uh, and some years ago, we saw a new opportunity in the B2B space uh, and decided to pivot into purely focusing on business-to-business experiences and to build a new platform based on the knowledge and experience that we gathered throughout the years. So we are specializing in B2B conversion and payments and finance automation and trying to challenge the way big business uh, operates. So what's the biggest difference between digital experience in B2B and B2C today? Yeah, so generally uh, the B2B industry is 10 years behind uh, B2C in digitalization of digital commerce as we are working in Impair. Um, and the effect of that that we have seen is that as a person acting as a private consumer, it's much easier to purchase something online, signing up to become a new customer or onboard, uh, compared to when the same person is acting on behalf of a company to try to buy something uh, for the company. Uh, and that is, I would say, is a, it's a big difference in how the customer experience is uh, in, in, in that sense. And in what sense is, is this becoming a problem for for B2B companies? Uh, yeah, so the result and the consequences of when you don't have a good enough customer experience, I mean, there it's easy now today for companies to just go to another store, you online or physically also, and you have products and services available globally. So it's easy for a uh, type of... Uh, buyer to yeah go to another store which offers a better experience uh, for them as a company so for example if you have a sign-up experience or an onboarding experience where you have to wait several hours or even days sometimes to onboard as a new customer it's easy to go to another place where you can buy uh, instantly directly and sign up as a customer and start using a service and in terms of customer expectations are customer expectations from these sort of seamless B2C experiences, are they sort of moving into B2B or what's your take on that? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, there's 
there are exciting and innovative improvements from companies uh, in B2B as well. Uh, and many have come further uh, compared to the general uh, markets. Uh, but even though they are moving for, forward in their digitalization journey, the market is pushed forward at a fast pace uh, by B2C. So the mm. expectations from customers continues to be pushed forward on the market because, uh, yeah, it's always a con constant improvement and a constant acceleration in, in, uh, in uh, what is built on the market and so on. And in terms of the buyer and, and sort of the persona in, in B2B, uh, are you seeing any market drivers? And, and if so, what are they? Uh, so in the B2B market today, we see different forces that are driving the change and affect the expectations on buying experiences in B2B. So there is one demographic force in the fact that 73% of millennials are taking purchasing decisions in B2B today, according to a study from Forrester Research. And we also have a behavior-connected driving force within contact and interaction where we see 70% of all requests from buyers in B2B being made from smartphones, according to Google and the Boston Consulting Group. So this, of course, ex uh, changes the expectations on, from the millennials on how to interact with the companies. And if they are not changing their customer journeys uh, and digitalizing themselves, uh, they will not meet the expectations from, from their growing new customer group. And in your opinion, do you think that B2B companies have started to adapt to these market drivers? And if so, how is it affecting the, the end user experience in B2B? Yeah, so in B2B commerce, many companies have not been able yet to adapt to these changes. Uh, it can take, as I said before, several hours uh, until you can be approved as a new customer, order a product or service, uh, and being able to buy now and pay later. Uh, so the customer journey for recurring customers as well leaves a lot to wish for. So we see that companies are struggling with recognizing their existing customers because they're purchasing in a new channel or uh, it's a new employee from the custom, uh, from the company that is trying to place an order. Uh, mm. uh, but we have seen some companies uh, that has been making some success in this uh, change in customer user journeys and yeah, as a result, of course, they enjoy a better conversion uh, in new signups of new customers and customer onboarding and in turn increased sales, of course. And as a bonus in that, when you automate and automate your processes, of course, there's a lot of cost savings that, uh, that you also get at the same time. Yeah, we, we talk to a lot of customers who sort of implement uh, these Changes digitizing or automating uh, different kinds of processes. Um, we're seeing seeing great effects and, and great results. Uh, but I guess one of the the sort of uh, I guess the B two B enterprise is sort of the one that is struggling the most, um, and especially has the sort of sl biggest slope to climb um, in terms of making the shift. Um, seeing that they have a lot of legacy and, and systems and 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 uh, a lot of challenges. Uh, what, what are the main challenges for, for B2B enterprise going forward, in your opinion? Yeah, so I agree on that. And we, we've, see, uh, we've seen several reports and also insights of these challenges in B2B enterprises related to digitalization uh, and connected to enterprise characteristics. So 
One one thing is that uh, there is 70,000 people missing in tech in 2024, according to uh, IT and telecom Företagens uh, report IT competence from 2020. So this, of course, makes it harder to get the resources needed to make changes. Um, and that will also have some consequences for enterprise projects. And we also see that legacy and in-house software is holding the companies back from reaching their digital goals, uh, according to a report from AppiServer. That's also affecting the possibility of creating those customer experience that, that you want to do. And also in larger organizations, you might have a history of mergers and acquisitions in the enterprises that creates another additional complexity in the mix of in-house software and different ERP systems that individually is, is hard uh, to develop and, and maintain. Uh, mm. So that's <coughs> some of these challenges that we have seen uh, in larger enterprises that uh, makes it hard to digitalize uh, in the way they want. And, and also it's, what from we have from what we have seen and experienced, it could be hard to get the right stakeholder input uh, from the rest of, of the organization. Is there are many projects going on at the same time? Uh, so that can also be a challenge to get the resources within the company and get prioritized among other initiatives going on. I was going to move into that in in the next question. Uh, what's required in order to make the change? Um, is it people? Is it culture? Is it process, tech, data, uh, what do you think it is? Yeah, everything you mentioned there is, of course, <laughs> something that is important. So, uh, But I would say to, to attract new customers and keep existing customers uh, and keep maintaining uh, and meeting their increasing expectations, companies need to be better in being able to adapt to constant change. So changing their processes and their culture and both in terms of strategic thinking and in terms of tech. So the businesses that manage to operate like this and with the right timing, I think we will be able to reap the benefits, uh, which is competitive advantages. Uh, and we see more and more B2B companies that are succeeding with adapting to this way of working to be able to test early, fast and for a lower cost and to get insights and confirm the business's uh, needs. Um, it's, of course, also important to get the resources and the internal support within the organization. Uh, and on a technical level, I would say that we've seen a growing number of API-first strategies and modularity thinking. I think that it has made it easier for businesses to test and develop together with partners specialized in the respective area. So it makes it possible for businesses to meet their complex needs and requirements um, without having to invest a fortune and wait too long until a solution is in place and can be tested in reality. Uh, so for example, compared to some years ago before API-first strategies and modularity, you might need to initiate large projects in your ERP system, hiring a lot of consultants, which comes with a high cost and also making the projects more like in a waterfall process and taking a lot of time until you can actually do something and try if this things you're developing is actually solving your original business case. So adapting to 
change and being able to use uh, API-based uh, services and create together with partners. I think it's uh, something that is important to be able to adapt to, to both uh, expectations that are changing and uh, technical change that are coming uh, on the market to be able to test fast. Mm. And in terms of uh, sort of creating these better B2B digital experiences, um, what processes would you say are the most common low-hanging fruits of B2B enterprise, for example? Yeah, so let's say that you're have been able to adapt to change fast and you can create and test uh, working iterations, which is of course a key. Uh, it's not just delivering uh, a solution uh, and then everything is fine. So you need to always constantly measure, see that how you can improve and change uh, to improve your processes. Uh, so if you've done that, I would say that other low hanging fruits is just to Get the right stakeholder sponsorship uh, and be sure to have your business case with you in the organization to be able to communicate it internally to get support uh, from all, across all the uh, organization. And of course, start somewhere. Uh, don't make a too large project. Uh, start uh, small and take help from other companies uh, on the market that uh, are specialized in a specific area which is related to the problem you're trying to solve and don't try to develop everything in-house uh, and yourself i would say it's another another way of uh, getting things out to test early and and uh, do you think that sign up and customer onboarding is sort of the way to go just because of the obvious um... Uh, connection it has to to revenue and and that sort of value is that a, a good place to start for companies? Yeah, absolutely. So if you're interested in attracting new customers, uh, there's no way they will be able <laughs> to buy for you if they can't sign up or if it will take several days. So uh, that is of course a key factor for getting customers in and convert them to become customers. Of course, automating in the end of your order to cash process is of course also important to have more automated solutions in the back end to have a better experience and save costs after a purchase has come in or after a customer has been signing up. But I think that the sign up and onboarding processes in general are key and very important, both mm -hmm. for how you handle recurring customers. I mean, you might have been having long-term relationship with customers of yours and mm -hmm. In those companies, new people are starting, uh, which you need to connect to. And if those people are not recognized as a returning customer, for example, they will not feel as a VIP or a customer that is um, handled, handled as, a, as someone you, you, are, you have had as a long-term uh, partner. So there's also mm. another aspect of the sign-up process to handle the recurring customers also in the same way. Mm. And what are some of the best uh, use cases in your opinion, or what are, what are some of the best uh, stories that you've seen uh, with B2B companies making this change? Yeah, so since they're very far behind from the start, uh, making it possible in real time to be able to accept a new customer, and be able to offer them the services and product they're interested in uh, in real time is a big change for 
most companies, I would say, uh, to to make it possible to sign up with no uh, manual involvement from the uh, from the selling organization at all, being able to buy uh, instantly or sign up as a customer instantly uh, without sending in manual papers or um, yeah, having to wait. Uh, people lo- doesn't have time today to wait for things to happen. They are in the folks right now, maybe placing an order, maybe want to sign up to get access to the bank's uh, accounts or anything. Uh, so, yeah, I would say that just making everything uh, possible in real time is, uh, is a big success if you get that uh, to work. Of course, you have many processes in the back end that needs to be uh, aligned like you have a credit policy maybe you might have a policy for which customers you are allowing in your company so, especially as a large enterprise so it's not that I'm just saying to, that it's very easy to do this <laughs> flow you also of course need to look at the policies in the organization to see that all of these policies are met even though it's made in real time uh, and if uh, we were to leave the listeners with something sort of some some example to look at. Uh, do you think there's any company out there who's doing sort of a, a B2B sign-up or customer onboarding really well? Uh, yes, uh, we have several. I've seen several good examples of that. Uh, we have, uh, for example, working with Volvo uh, as a customer, we've seen them changing a lot of their uh, previous uh, manual processes uh, adapting to to more uh, more of a real time experience. Uh, we had one case, for example, where long uh, long distance hauling trucks were uh, moving from one country to another, breaking down, uh, and were having to wait several days until the repair could be started due to different existing processes. Um, and changing that to be able to repair a truck instantly uh, with the help of signing up and yeah, making sure that you can start a repair is, of course, very important for such a customer where you, you are able to get up on the road as, uh, as soon as possible because it's, uh, of course, um, something that affects their income. So another example is uh, yeah the place where I'm recording today, actually, uh, in our own office. Uh, we have not that good sound uh, insulation in, in the meeting room. So I actually went to one, uh, to the United Spaces uh, pod room here uh, in Stockholm uh, to record this session. Uh, so the old listeners will doesn't need to listen to outside voices in, in our office. And to get here, it's... It's uh, they have done a drastic change in how you can actually sign up and get access to to the to the building. Uh, before you were needed to send in the manual forms and having manual uh, checks that would not uh, give you access in real time, but now you can sign up and uh, start uh, accessing the service. Go into the pod room, for example, uh, without having to wait. So especially when you're waiting, if you're outside and you just want to go in. Uh, Physically, if you're at the building, you of course want to get in right away, not having to wait. Mm. Cool. So as we're coming up on time, do you have any closing thoughts or anything in particular you want to leave the listeners with in, in terms of uh, uh, B2B digital experiences? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, first of all, thank you for, for having me today. 
and uh, yeah, to leave something uh, for the listeners. I would say that it's hard also to make this, uh, make it sound very hard to, to do something and do some change. I would say that just try to start somewhere, uh, try to uh, analyze where your key um, bottlenecks are in your customer journeys, try to fix one of them instead of in, in initiating a too large product. Try to see what uh, alternatives that might be out there instead of developing everything in-house and yeah, see what is actually relevant to develop in-house and what is relevant to outsource to another provider. Could be a good tip. Cool. Uh, I love that. Starting small. Uh, it's a good, good, uh, good uh, tip to leave them with, for sure. Um, listen, Marcus, it was great to have you here. I uh, really enjoyed having you on the show and, and I appreciate you. So uh, thanks a lot. And uh, I hope to speak to you soon again. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to an episode of a Roaring podcast by Roaring.io. Feel free to share it with your friend, colleague or peer if you liked it. If you wish to stay connected to us, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time. Bye.